time with singer-songwriter Adam Holmes. It was a great chat where he talks about all his processes and his gigs so far. These podcasts are only made possible by my Patreon subscribers and you could be one too. Visit patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumier to find out more. Hi Adam, how's it going? Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, you were just telling me that you're about to release a brand new arcade album this week. Yeah, it's the first one. So um, we were actually meant to be on tour uh, right now, which obviously uh, I'm, I'm in a shed speaking to you. I'm not in London on tour, but um, we we recorded it last year and the plan was to kind of put it out now and support it with a tour, uh, which obviously isn't happening. And uh, the tour has been moved to the same time next year. So basically April next year. And we kind of deliberated a little bit as to whether to wait till then to put it out. But me and Heidi have been talking on the phone a bunch and kind of thought it feels like a really good time to put content out into the world and for there to be new art out in the world. So we decided that uh, we're going to put it out this week. So So, uh, Arcade is yourself and Heidi Talbot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. is it a joint writing project? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was quite an interesting uh, way of writing because we had to kind of, we we both obviously have kids and we both have busy careers. So a lot of it was just kind of like emailing stuff back and forward. And so in this record, I would say a lot of the the writing process was a little bit different in that it was quite informed by the recording. You know, we were kind of having to record things and send them and see how that felt uh, and sort of work in that way. It wasn't kind of sitting down in the room with two guitars, looking at each other, playing stuff in that kind of tactile way. So um, it was a bit of a different kind of process. So it kind of probably set you up for this current period. <laughs> <laughs> that, and, that and having a two-year-old, like I've been in lockdown for about two years in, in truth. So anyway, uh, Adam, I think I've known you for a long, long time, ever since you yeah. first came to Tinto Summer School many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Uh, do you come from a musical family? Well, no one really kind of played instruments, but my mum, as you know, um, was always massively supportive of uh, my desire. My my little sister, Catherine, plays fiddle as well and her desire to play music. So my mum was a kind of like child of the 60s folk revival. And so a lot of my early memories are uh, of of music with my mum are like going to see gigs in the Royal Oak in the Edinburgh Folk Club and so it was it felt like a musical family even though no one really kind of played it was just such a part of our life like my mum was a big fan of kind of even like people like Joan Armitrade or I remember if she was in a bad mood we sort of knew to like make food and put on John Armatraden. So it it was kind of like a, it was a language that we all used. So in that sense, I feel like we, we, we were a musical family. Um, but in terms of playing, 
you know, instrumentally. It wasn't like instruments, um, people playing all the time and stuff like that until me and Catherine started playing, really. Oh, um, uh, that's very interesting, actually. I always used to give uh, Kath. You used to give Catherine such a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> for, for what specifically? I probably uh, still for for being there. I think, if I remember rightly. <laughs> well, that it's interesting, isn't it? Because two years is quite a a tender age gap. You know, now I am. 29 and she's 27 and we get on really brilliantly but I think when you're young when you're sort of like 13 14 and you're out in the world trying to carve out your uh, identity and they're kind of along there with you that can create tensions at that sort of age whereas now we're on a really good level you know I think it, it, it's interesting I come from a really big family so some of my brothers and sisters, there's like a 10, 11 year age gap. And uh, there was never that kind of tension between them because there's an awareness that you're at an entirely different stage. Whereas that kind of two year, three year age gap can be quite tricky in that way, I think. Mm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I watched you develop over these years. I have a... a a vivid memory of you performing a Jerry Rafferty song with, I think mm. it might have been Kevin Murphy and yeah. David Foley at one of the yeah, concerts. Yeah. And at that point, you were obviously very talented. When did you think that music was something you were going to do for your for your life's work? You know, I'd, it's a, it's, that's a difficult question to answer. Like, I don't... It's always been such a part of my life, you know, it's like I, I was saying before, it was such a language in our household. But to be honest, when I was 16, my main uh, drive really was just to kind of like find a job and rent a flat. I just was keen for that kind of independence. So I ended up sort of working on building sites for a few years and I was sort of playing music, but really recreationally and um i think i think that was really good for me you know i think i, I sort of learned about the value of an honest day's work and i learned about you know i remember my dad saying like um singing songs will be easier than lifting bags of cement all day you know but i think for me being actually having a job that was really full on and, and difficult and taught me about discipline gave me that kind of uh, contrast to, to understand and really appreciate how much I actually wanted to do music and, and that I did want to make a go of it professionally, I suppose. But I think, to be honest, the, the, a, a real shifting point was actually you asking me if I wanted to come and do the young trad because I didn't really have a sense of myself as a singer you know at that time I, I was really interested in music and, and actually rapping a lot and making beats and kind of writing wee songs but I sort of always saw my voice as, as just kind of like you know the voice I had and it was fine and it was a tool or whatever but uh, when I did the young trad suddenly people were like, oh, wow, your voice is, is brilliant. And um, 
to me, actually, at that time, it was kind of uh, surprising. You know, it wasn't necessarily where I saw my strength. I kind of felt like I had a good grasp on music and musicality, and I was interested in it. But that that really kind of opened up um, the avenue of, of singing and my voice. Um, so I think that felt like a really significant turning point and and being involved in the young trad sort of connected me to an entire uh, realm of people and music um so that feels like a very that's probably the most significant uh fork in the road really yeah that's interesting because i remember saying to myself oh look adam holmes he's a born performer and mm. you've got this natural way with you on the stage, and I, I think this this boy <laughs> yeah, he sh- he should be in the, he should be doing more performing, and you should be in the young trad. So I maybe you never noticed it yourself, but you definitely had lots of aspiring talent. Well, I think I think it's quite interesting. I was chatting the other day to Boo Hewardine about this actually, but. Um, and we, you know, we're writing a record actually at the minute, and one of the songs we were writing is about that kind of um, drive that you have as a youth. That's almost, um, in a way, it's sort of subconscious. You know, I felt this massive draw towards music, uh, but when I look back at it, it's kind of um, I, I'm sort of struck by my own courageousness or or bravery if that makes sense in terms of just going and putting yourself out there and and doing it and and there like I say there's this kind of like subconscious drive to that that I, I can't I can't really think where I got that drive from it's just like this kind of spiritual beckoning to to go and be involved in music and around musicians that I think now as a 29-year-old, if I got interested in something in the same way, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have the same kind of, uh, um, I don't know, bravery or something to just go and do it. So I think there's, I love, I love seeing it in other young musicians, just that kind of, I know I'm young, but younger than me, you know, just that kind of drive. Um, and that real kind of passion for it, I think it's quite—it's quite a beautiful thing. It's quite moving in a way. Do you remember when you wrote your first song? I remember when I wrote my first good song. Um, I wrote a lot of really pretty dreadful songs. I think to start, uh, a lot of it at the start really was like around that time actually that I was on the building site. There was a girl who I liked. And she asked me to write a song called um, You're the Reason for My Smile. It's a, a dreadful title, actually, now that I think about it. But I did it because I fancied her. And um, it was pretty bad. And uh, then a, a, a tiny while after that, I wrote um, I Can't Be Right, which actually ended up on the first record. And... It's quite a sort of significant song for for me now. You know, it's it, it became quite a, a it became a song that people resonated with and connected to, 
And interestingly, you know, in terms of that young drive and spirit, I think there's something quite unfettered and sort of natural about our early uh, musical compositions that I look back at them now and I sort of think, wow, I'd love to, kind of love to be able to write like that again. But I suppose we become a bit more sort of self-conscious as we get older in a different way. It's quite difficult to get back to that um, pure, raw, unadulterated um, element of our writing as we get a bit older. Yeah, well, it is the, the, the confidence of youth, of course. Uh-huh. And also just what you were doing was, as, as when any songwriter talks about their their beginnings are basically talking about how much how many rubbish songs they wrote <laughs> in yeah. order to be to actually gain to actually get the first one it's, it's amazing you know I, I watched actually that um i don't know if you saw it but that ed sheeran documentary it's just called songwriter i found it pretty interesting he had a nice analogy where he talks about being uh, you know in an old house and you turn on the tap and it's sort of chugging out dark water for ages, and then the water kind of starts to run clear. And uh, he was using that analogy in terms of writing songs, and I think there's some truth to it. You know, not even just that you're young and you write crap songs and then they're always good, but I think a lot of the process of being a writer is just sitting down and making yourself uh, available to it as a thing and trusting that you're going to have to uh, get a lot of stuff out your system in order to kind of find the good stuff. So I think really a lot of it is just about uh, doing it over and over uh, and and sort of it it takes a a certain amount of faith in the times when you feel like nothing is coming from it, you know? Yeah, and Ed Sheeran's story is actually a very interesting story as well of, of hard work. Very, very hard work, yeah. You know, and that's what you've done in many ways. You just haven't stopped. So your first album was Airs and Graces, which ha- featured mm. that, the, the song uh, Read Me Wrong. That's the one you were talking about. I, I, I can't be right. I can't be right. Read yeah. <laughs> Me Wrong's a good title, though. I might take that. Is it not Amy Paparansky that's got the one Is Read it? Me Right? That's her album right. title. That's, that's a nice title, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, Ears and Graces, so that, that must have been amazing just to get out, that get that out there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, it's funny because I was in Rura at the time and that was kind of like my main, my main job, you know. I was kind of playing with them and writing and recording and uh, they were at a pretty good level already before I joined them so it was a little bit of a dream for me to walk off the building site into a band that was kind of like going to Italy and making records and all that so at that stage actually I felt very kind of like well this is my job and this is cool this is great and I went to make my solo record um, actually with pretty minimal expectations about what would come from that I kind of just felt like I'm in this band I'm going to do this on the site and we'll kind of see what happens so I did it and uh we put it out and it, and it kind of went really really well and um I was I was pretty surprised uh not because I, I didn't think it was good but 
I guess I was just quite stoic about it. You know, I just wasn't really expecting very much. So I was I was delighted with how it was received. And as you say, uh, playing with Ruda, you travelled all over the place with them, actually. Some lovely, sunny gigs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a lot of sunburn. That's <laughs> my kind of memory. A lot of alcohol and a lot of sunburn and a lot of bagpipes. But, uh, yeah, really, really... Uh, really grateful for that whole experience and and I think just as a young musician the fantastic thing about it was that I just got to play a lot live you know and I really got to kind of like iron out uh stagecraft and kind of get a sense of like what works and what doesn't you know not just in terms of playing but kind of in terms of like how you chat on stage or uh how you interact with people after the gig all those kind of things um how you do a sound check just things that you kind of like take for granted now i think as a young musician getting an opportunity to do some solid touring like that is really kind of valuable and your band on the side at the time or i suppose that's that's derisory, but the the Adam Holmes and the Embers, because that was that's who you were touring with as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was a great name actually. Being from Edinburgh myself, I always kind of appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean the name actually came because the the first incarnation of the band was like me and three guys who were all in their fifties. So the idea of it was, you know, we were going to call it. Adam Holmes and the receding hairlines or whatever. <laughs> and, they, and then and then we, we kind of thought, oh, the dying embers, that's quite funny. And then we just abbreviated it to the embers. And it was actually just meant to be a name that would kind of be there for an EP or whatever, and it just sort of stuck. We just kept it. So, Because uh, in your next two albums, The Brighter Still and Midnight Milk, actually, you, you were Adam Holmes and the Embers on the album as well. Yeah, yeah, I think they were much more, um, they were kind of more created in a way that uh, that made sense. You know, they were kind of more band records than solo records. And uh, I suppose it just takes a bit of time to figure out what your thing is, you know. So I think on the first record, that was just me presenting myself to the world as a singer songwriter and then by the time the second the the second record came about we were a bit more like a band you know it was kind of starting to have a little bit of a sound so it felt uh suitable to name them after the band at that stage yeah and the midnight milk album i i always remember listening and thinking that the, your production levels really ramped up on that as well Oh, thanks. Yeah, like that was, um, I loved making that record, you know, that was, uh, I made that record actually in my house and it was, uh, it was an amazing time. I was, I was in a very good place and uh, just really kind of enjoying the creativity of making a record without the constraints of time in the studio and kind of working all the time and you know, I didn't have a kid. I wasn't in a relationship, so it was a very—it was my only focus, really. And uh, it was a really enjoyable, uh, immersive sort of experience for me. And I feel like that kind of comes across uh, for the listener. You know, it's—it's—it it's, was a very 
it felt like a level up in terms of um, the consideration that I put into it. So, uh, you know, a little while before making that, I was involved in a, a project called Flit with Martin Green and uh, a bunch of other amazing musicians. And I felt very kind of inspired by his... Uh, Martin's amazing. He's an amazing musician and... and watching him work was really cool because he's a guy that just wants to be making stuff, you know, and watching him just being totally immersed in it. I realized that's, uh, for me, I like, I, I love performing and, um, and all that, but I think a, a, the, the most enjoyable process for me is the making stuff you know is making records and writing and all that it's fantastic it's good fun so watching him work was like a big um influence on me at that time and how has your songwriting process changed over the years well uh it you know the thing is it changes um song to song record to record uh, I listened to a really good talk with Gretchen Peters. You know her; mm-hmm. she's great, and um, she made a really good. She made a point I thought was really interesting, which was like each song is kind of like a state in America. You know, it has its own laws. You know, it's all part of the one thing, but kind of dictates its own sort of um, set of limitations or whatever. So. You know, you could have one song and it can be, you get a piece of lyric uh, and then the melody comes and you can have another one where it's the other way around and uh, some songs are finished super quickly and some songs have taken me uh, the best part of a year. Or, or, you know, it could be you have a chorus and then suddenly you write a verse and that fits that chorus or whatever there's a lot of different processes but um i think possibly the main way it's kind of changed is introducing recording as a form of writing as a form of being able to observe what you're doing and gain a different kind of perspective on it and sort of change things as you go in the recording i think in the past i kind of sat down with a guitar and I wrote it till it was done and then I went and got a band and did it in a studio and uh, I think just with even you know having a a wee one and all that you kind of have to just do things when you can you know so that probably the main way it's changed is like in the past I lived in an endless ocean of hours and I, 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 I was like I'm a guy that writes at night or whatever and then it's like you have a kid and it's like I write when I can write, you know? So I think really on a, on a practical level, it's kind of changed in that way. I'm a lot less sort of, I'm a lot more interested in the craft and the, in the like show up and do it and, and kind of just be there and make yourself open to it happening. And how did you come up with your melodies? Do you ever get your fiddle out? You know, I don't, ever play I think I've played the fiddle like twice in the last two years and I was pretty drunk both times but uh but I think that said fiddle you know melodies those melodies are like in terms of 
through osmosis are just in me. So I feel like I have this kind of like um, massive bank of just years and years of those tunes in my head to draw from. And for me, a lot of the process is I'm not very interested in a melody unless there's something like vaguely familiar about it. You know, I'm always looking for that kind of like, oh, what's, you know, that sense of like, what's that? I kind of know that. You know, that's my kind of gauge for like if it's something worth uh, being with and, and working with. And I think a lot of that is really informed by uh, the the melodies from like slow airs or, or tunes or whatever that are in there from, from being a kid, you know. Now you've got a, another new project, not to be confused with Arcade, but you have a band called the Magpie Arc. Who's, who's all in that? So uh, the the bass player from my band, Alex, had this idea a while ago to, to have three very different kind of songwriters come together uh, and, and for it to be like a cross-border thing. So, you know, half Scottish, half English. And uh, I kind of vaguely connected to uh, Nancy Kerr a few times throughout the years we just chatted and met at gigs and stuff and uh also martin simpson so so alex kind of pulled martin simpson and nancy kerr and me together and uh martin and nancy work with a guy called tom wright who's a fantastic uh drummer who played with uh, the albion band for a while who's their kind of youngest member so he's a, a producer drummer uh, and they're all based in Sheffield and uh, Alex my my bass player manager kind of pulled it together and we drove down and, and drank some coffee with them and then it was like two weeks later we were in the studio kind of writing and working on stuff so it's been great and has it been sort of collaborative yeah like again it's just you're you're working with kind of constraints aren't you in the sense geographically and in terms of time and all that but yeah a hundred percent at the start it was like a little bit more like i'll bring a song you bring a song and then when we're in the room and we actually have a little bit more time it's collaborative in the sense that we will be sort of writing together and i guess a lot of the collaboration in this context is um in terms of the arrangements because we really want to keep the feel that there's a few different writers you know um so it's been collaborative um i mean being in a band is is collaborative isn't it i suppose so so that sounds great and is there an album that's coming out with that yeah we're like uh, i need to record some backing vocals in a shed um <laughs> this week but yeah we're we're like 95 percent there it's sounding really cool and uh, so your website where you can buy stuff is adamholmesmusic.co.uk. Is that where you'll be able to get the Magpie Arc as well? Yes, yeah, be up there. Well, that's amazing, Adam. Well, thanks very much for talking to me today. You're most, you're most welcome, Simon. Thanks for all the, the amazing work that you do. Not at all. <laughs>